the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. KSLR is proud to feature our Church of the Week. Our desire is that you'll get to know the pastors and churches in our community and find a church you and your family can call home. Here's the host of the Church of the Week program, Director of Ministry Development, Micah Coop. Hello and thank you for joining us today. You are listening to The Word in South Texas, AM 630, KSLR. I want to welcome you to our Church of the Week feature. This show is designed to connect you, our listeners, to churches and pastors in our community who are making a difference. If you don't have a church that you call home, our prayer is that the Lord would use this program to help you find what you're looking for. And for the next half hour, I have the privilege of introducing you to Pastor Jack Holsey of Woodlake Baptist Church. Pastor Jack, we want to welcome you to the studio today. How are you doing? It's great to be with you, and uh, it's uh, I'm happy that I have this opportunity. Well, we're happy to have you, Pastor in just a few minutes, we'll get to uh, what your church is doing, and we want to hear all about what's going on at Woodlake Baptist Church. But before we do that, why don't you just uh, talk to the listeners out there and tell them a little bit about who you are and give them a little background on on yourself. Well, I uh, have been in the ministry now for about 32 years, and mm-hmm. I believe God called me uh, back when I was about 17. And uh, he's led me through all of the things, given me a beautiful wife and children. And um, he's taken me to the places he wants me to be, gave me my education, has taught me a lot of things along the way. Yeah, yeah. And has all that uh, been mostly here in the San Antonio area? Or? Uh, most of it has, uh, around the San Antonio area, down in Lytle and Natalia and a few places like that. Uh, my dad was a pastor at uh, the Baptist Church in, in Lytle for uh, about 13 years. And, okay. Uh, didn't really know that I'd be getting into the ministry, but uh, yeah. God just started opening doors, and all I knew to do was when he opened them, go through them, and he's blessed in all of that. He, he does happen to do that every now and then, yes, doesn't he? Does. he? Well, tell us a little bit about your family. Um, you have your wife, Kimberly, and then you also have children that are kind of grown now and, and out, but why don't you tell us a little bit about your family? My wife and I have been married now, coming up on 30 years, April the Excellent. 2nd of 2013. Excellent. And, uh, Get that date in there so she knows that you April know. Absolutely, April the 2nd. Maybe <laughs> you're hearing that. I was and, uh, I was married April 1st, believe oh, that or not. Okay, yeah. yeah. Um, but um, she, she came from a Church of Christ background, and, of course, I came from a Baptist background, and so our wedding was kind of unique, but uh, she is the love of my life, and uh, she is... Uh, uh, my soulmate, and I know that uh, we've had the privilege of having uh, three sons, mm-hmm. um, and uh, in the course of it, God has blessed us, and and uh, all three of the boys are uh, out of high school now, and uh, have already gotten on with life. Uh, uh, we've kind of got boys, an empty, huh? yeah. We've got an empty. So nest your grocery list. bill went uh, down. Uh, we quite went a bit. down extremely. <laughs> uh, we uh, now can actually uh, afford to live, uh, and we enjoy. Uh, we always love it when our boys are home, but it sure is gone good when they're gone. <laughs> and so we, uh, we, uh, one of them's on the East Coast. Uh, he's serving in the Coast Guard, and the other one's on the West Coast, and uh, he's in the Navy. And my third Excellent. one actually lives up in shirts, and 
uh, he's working for a company here in San Antonio after Excellent. serving uh, in the Coast Guard for four years. And so I'm, I'm proud of all three of them. Oh, I bet. I bet. Now, were you always in ministry? You said you kind of got started in uh, as far as a call from the Lord at 17, but was, was it always ministry or was there anything else that you kind of had in your heart or anything else that you did before that? I had always wanted to fly. Uh, I guess that's every little boy's dream. Yeah. Uh, but I'd always wanted to fly, and I, I was on course to be able to get into the Air Force back in the day when they'd guarantee you what you could do. Mm. And um, I had a contract that was set up and, and everything for me to fly with the Air Force. And I, I didn't listen to Mom and Dad. I did what <laughs> I wanted to do, and uh, they asked me not to play football, and, and uh, I said I'm going to do it anyway. Damaged my knee. And that knocked out any hopes of ever getting into mm. any of the armed services. And wow. so uh, um, at that point, shortly before that, God had called me into ministry. And so I was trying to figure out how to juggle ministry and Air Force and sure. all those things. And God kind of sl- shut the door on that through my disobedience. And mm. uh, But he's given a, given a clear path since then. So. It's interesting. I, I knew at a young age, too, I was supposed to go in ministry. And I tried to try other things as well. So I can relate. But... That's that's great, Pastor. It's great to hear your story. Can you tell us a little bit? Uh, I've been reading different things on your website, and uh, I I noticed that you were serving in many different areas of ministry. You you haven't always just been a pastor. So can you talk about that journey from when you started the ministry, started in ministry, to where you have uh, come to today? Back when when I accepted the call um, and believed God was calling me, uh, the minister of music at our church uh, had abruptly resigned. And uh, my father came to me and said, Son, why don't you uh, lead the music? And mm-hmm. a good friend of mine who played the piano played the pl- piano. And I remember the, the first song that I ever sang in front of a group of people. And we did such a horrendous job of it uh, that they clapped. And in a wow. Baptist church back then, they didn't clap. And the only reason they clapped was if it was really bad. And so I knew it was really bad. And uh, But I remained faithful to what I believed God had called me to do. And and uh, I had some guidance from my father and, and uh, uh, in those things. And uh, then God, as I went off to college, uh, the church was very gracious to me and, and uh gave me some scholarship-type money, and I went off to Hardin-Simmons and was there for one semester, and, and God just, uh, there was something in my heart that said, Lord, is this really what you want me doing? Mm. And um, I said, if it's not, you, you open the door and you show me, and that's basically been my philosophy ever since. Lord, if this isn't what I'm supposed to be doing, you open the door and I'll do what you want me to do. Um, and that opened the door to a church in Natalia. Uh, quite by surprise, they called and said, uh, uh, would you come and and just lead our music on Sunday? I was traveling back and forth mm-hmm. to see my my uh, then girlfriend, but mm-hmm. now my wife, uh, every weekend. And so I would go and lead the music there. And uh, uh, at the semester break, I had stayed up there one Sunday to study for finals, and they called me and uh, the next week and said, uh, "Can you come?" And I, I went out there, and they said, "Hey, we've called you to come and be our minister of music." And uh, would you do that, Minister of Music and Youth? And so I said, sure. And God had answered that prayer. Mm. And then it's just been a series of, of events like that that mm-hmm. God has brought me through. He allowed me to be pastor for four years, long enough to let me know that I needed to be trained mm-hmm. and needed some education. And then he put me in a place where he provided the training and the education, and it didn't cost me 
anything. Amazing. And, amazing. and uh, God, uh, it's just phenomenal that way. That's amazing. Now, what's the biggest difference between serving as a quote-unquote staff pastor or a, a minister on staff and the responsibility you have as a senior leader or a senior pastor? When I served uh, at at Schertz uh, for about 11 years under the tutelage of a good friend, uh, Don Jeffries, he taught me a lot of things, some good, some bad, but he taught me a lot of things. But the biggest lesson that I had to learn in my spiritual walk was how to play second fiddle. Uh, sometimes preachers uh, uh, get a Messiah-type complex, mm. and uh, you, you can't have that in ministry because it starts going to your head, and it affects the church greatly. Definitely. And so uh, I had to learn how to, to stand in that second position and mm-hmm. be – uh, what Aaron was to Moses, um, right. uh, what Joab was to David, to some extent. That mm-hmm. may not be a good illustration, but um, to be there and support and to believe that God is using him right. in, in a wonderful capacity and that I'm there to augment and help that. Definitely. Uh, and once that was decided for me in my life and I realized that uh, that's what God called me to, it was very humbling, mm-hmm. but it was very necessary too. Yeah, it reminds me of the the theme of Mark, where we hear Son of Man came to serve, not to be served, you know. Absolutely. And uh, we have to always remember that, don't we? Yes. You know, you mentioned earlier that as you were kind of growing up in the in your formative years of ministry that the Lord would speak and you would listen. I wonder if you could just take a minute and, and talk a little bit about that, because I think something that maybe um, we've lost a little bit in the church or in in present day, at least in the American church, is that idea of trusting the Lord. We, we believe in the Lord. We love the Lord. But trusting the Lord and, and listening to his voice and obeying that voice. Can you talk to us a little bit about that and, and tell us your experience there and, and how you've been able to follow the voice of the Lord? In all of the things that I've watched go on in my life, I have no question that it was the hand of God. The key to hearing his voice, and I, I share this humbly, not with any any uh, uh, confidence of being able to say I've figured it all out, sure. but I share this humbly, that um, it is a still small voice, as it was to sure. Elijah in the cave. Sure. And it, as you listen to it, I, I always tell people, don't listen to the voices that are screaming in your head. Mm-hmm. Listen to the ones that are quietly speaking. Yeah. And most of the time you'll find that that's God's spirit. Right. Uh, because Satan loves to beat the drum and all the <laughs> things that take place. That's uh, good. Part of my uh, experience has been uh, I had a dear friend and uh, he uh, constantly was about me, uh, getting on to me about my education. And every time I saw him, he just it would dog me about, you got to go to school, you got to mm. go to school. So I did. And in the process, I wound up real close to a nervous breakdown. Mm-hmm. I wasn't taking care of my wife. The church was suffering and everything. But I was doing it because this mentor, this friend, okay. uh, a DOM, had to, a director of mission down in uh, uh, the Free River Association, right. was just on me to go to school. Mm. So I said, okay, I'll go. Didn't consult the Lord. It just turned out to be a fiasco. And I said, Lord... I'm not going to do anything like that again until you open all the doors. Mm-hmm. And just a few years later, God opened the doors not only at the church that I was called to, but also through seminary to allow there to be a program that I could step into. 
and get my uh, four-year degree from Southwestern Theological Seminary. Mm-hmm. And school. all of these things came together mm-hmm. all at the same time, and I knew that that was only the hand of God. I didn't pay anything for my schooling. I didn't uh, pay for the, the church was so gracious. They, they gave me time off to go to school. Mm-hmm. They gave me all the money to go to school. They paid for my books, my tuition, wow. uh, everything. And so uh, that's just one of many that I could share with you today, but that's one that has impacted my life just greatly. God, mm-hmm. when you listen to him and, and follow him, he'll, he'll do what he says he can do. That's so important for people to understand. I think so many people, they they have this mentality of, uh, I don't know if you ever saw the movie Bruce Almighty, where where he's just standing there with just saying, God, show me something, you know, right. and, and uh, we, we tend to have that mentality. And, and you're right. Um, a lot of times the the uh, enemy is the one that beats the drum, the things that we see in the media, the things that are trumpeted from so many different arenas are distractions, you know, Absolutely. and, um, how, how do you, how do you find the, I don't know if you call it discipline, but how do you find the resolve to, to, uh, focus in past all those distractions and hear the voice of God? Cause I, I think a lot of people, they, they follow the distractions. They follow the, the hype. They follow the, the, you know, the, all of the mirrors and smoke instead of really learning how to focus in. And, and how, how would you speak to someone out there that's dealing with that and uh, tell them this is how you focus in to hear the voice of God? First of all, get in his word. Hmm. Um, I, I, everybody that I, I counsel with or speak with about their relationship with God, I ask them just go to Proverbs and read a proverb a day. Yes, sir. And as they do that, and just keep doing it. Take it as a pill mm-hmm. every day for the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. There's 31 chapters on the months with 30. Read 30 and 31. Yeah. But read a proverb a day. And if you don't understand what it says, read to the point that you don't understand and stop and say, Lord, open my eyes that I can see what That's this good. means. That's good. Um, and the thing about it is when I don't understand the things of this world, uh, it's confusing enough because everybody's screaming. Yeah. But when I don't under th- understand the things of God, the cool part about it is he's the one that I ask. Yes, sir. And it teaches me through the Proverbs, not just the, the benefit of the Proverbs. They are wise sayings, mm-hmm. but it teaches me beyond that. It teaches me that I can trust him to tell me mm-hmm. what I'm not understanding. And it, it develops that relationship with him because the, the world has all sorts of Proverbs mm-hmm. out there. Very but true. but God, when we read those, he gives us clarity and we start learning to listen to him. And even though there's Proverbs that I know, I believe I know everything about them. Mm-hmm. I'll go back and read one and I'll go, wow, I didn't catch that. Yes, sir. Thank you, Lord. Yes, sir. And And so as I watch him work in his word and I trust what he has to say in his mm-hmm. word and I see that it's true. Right. Uh, it gives me a confidence. Mm-hmm. Uh, that I can that I can go on, mm-hmm. and uh, it's a confidence that I, as you said a moment ago, a lot of the world is worried about what's going on. Yeah, yeah. and I, I'm not worried about the Middle East. I'm mm-hmm. not worried about those things. God's still on His throne. Yes, sir. And and the Bible teaches me that mm-hmm. it's not that I don't care. Sure, because I I, I care, mm-hmm. but it's not that I'm going to let it wrap me around the axle, right, right. and ruin my day. Right now. We were talking earlier before uh, we came in the studio just about 
there's been several studies done, and recently what we found in San Antonio is there's been a pretty steady decline over the last two years, actually higher than the rest of the nation in a loss of faith and church attendance among 18 to 49-year-olds. And I wondered if you could just give us a little perspective from from being in ministry for 30-plus years, and, and especially even in this area, the the South Texas area that you've been involved in, as to why we are seeing those types of statistics. Commitment um, is where I would start with this. I see this in marriage. Uh, um, we have come to a place in society where we don't see the importance of commitment so beyond true. what we want. Mm-hmm. And if it's not something that we want and we desire, right? then our commitment level is only going to be to the height that I am willing to commit. Mm-hmm. And, and so we see that, and there's all kind of excuses out there that people use. Of course. Uh, of you course. know, there's hypocrites in the church. I don't want to belong to religion. Um, you know, I don't, I don't want to get in a denomination. I don't mm-hmm. want to do all those things. And the reality of it is if you take a real good look at all of that, you'll recognize that even though you choose to say, I don't want to be a part of it, you are a part of it, as is pointed out by the numbers that you've just Right, right. I'm not a part of it. Uh, would suggest that if you're not, then you're part of something else, yes. and that's a movement away from any type of commitment. Right. But this is not only in the church. Mm-hmm. Uh, you see this in in a lot of different areas. You see businesses where um, uh, the, the people aren't as committed uh, to uh, uh, loyalty sure. and customer uh, dealings and transactions. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are a people today that uh, are moved and swayed by economics, mm-hmm. by uh, whatever benefits us, and therefore uh, we don't find a great deal of commitment mm-hmm. uh, to the to the issues that people bring up about. I don't want to be a part of religion. I don't want to be a right. part of uh, the established church. Uh, most of that is, and with all due respect, it's it's ignorance. Sure. They just don't know. So yeah. So what would you what would you say to believers out there that? They deal with those questions. You know, I, I know, I mean, and, and we've dealt with them, too, as pastors. But but you people in your church, they deal with the question of people saying, well, the church is just full of hypocrites or the pastor is just after my money or the church is just messed up or there's more than one way. You know, how do, how do you how do you handle those types of, of situations and how how would you train your church or, or tell believers this is this is a kind of a rule of thumb? Well, first of all, for those who who offer up that argument of the church is full of hypocrites and everything, I always remind people that uh, that, that there's hypocrites at HEB, but it doesn't keep you from going to get what you need. <laughs> right. Um, right. And, and so uh, some of the other questions that you pose, though, a lot of them are answered in Scripture, mm-hmm. um, where people say that there's many ways to get to heaven. Right. John fourteen six very clearly says that Jesus is the way, the well, truth, truth, and the life. life. No yeah. man comes to the Father except through him. Right. So a lot of times the arguments that that people pose, when I go back to Scripture, a lot of times I can answer those things through Scripture. Very true. And uh, for the hypocrisy, is that what God desires? Absolutely not. Right. But in, in the process, we are in a process mm-hmm. of being conformed. Right. Years ago, and I, I, I heard it here on this station, uh, a song that, uh, that I remember the lyric to and just impacted my life. Um, and it says, one day Jesus will call my name. As days go by, I hope I don't stay the same. I want to get so close to him that there's no big change on the day when Jesus calls my name. That's good. And and 
as as I look at all of the things that that people say uh, about why they don't want to get into church, why they don't want to do the things that are necessary, most of the time it's because they have something else that they want to mm. do. And so to those that, that would offer those things, uh, they really have to take a good look inside of themselves and, and understand where they are in here That's before good. the Lord. And if it doesn't match up with what's in his word, then something's got to change. Right. I'm not going to judge him about it, mm-hmm. but I'm also not going to give him any slack about it either. Sure, sure. Because his word doesn't give us that. Yeah, his word never changes. It you know, we, we've been talking so much about the word and, you know, I, I think that we've lost some of the commitment, like you said, but even some of the passion that we need to have for the Word of God. Why do you think that is? It doesn't serve us. Mm. It doesn't serve our flesh. And uh, of all people, I'm always confounded by those who hold Christians at the same standard as the world Mm. and those who try and justify uh, Christian mischief and Christian sure. d- Christians doing things wrong and say, but uh, th- th- we use the same thing. Well, we're supposed to just love and mm-hmm. and and everything. But everything that I understand about God's word, He holds us to a higher standard. Sure, and it's not a standard that I can quote to you in law. Mm-hmm. It's a standard that I choose to accept because I love Him. Mm-hmm. And that higher standard, He didn't come to do away with the law. He came to fulfill it and give us a purpose, mm-hmm. a, a greater meaning for it, rather than mm-hmm. just um, some uh, legalistic uh, Magna Carta that we have to follow. Right. He said, no, I came to fulfill it. I, I want you to understand why you do it and choose to do it because mm-hmm. you love me. Mm-hmm. And when when people choose to love him, then it's not a matter of me trying to fix them. I, I always tell people, I can't fix you. Right. God fixes people, right. but it has to be in my heart that I choose. The inside of the vessel has to be clean, mm-hmm. and they're worried about the outside. Right. So right. Uh, I hope that helps people to understand just a little bit more. Sure. God's Word's clear about this, and yes. because of that standard, we have some things that we ought to be about that the world should be seeing, mm-hmm. and it starts with us. Mm-hmm. And we ought to be a change agent. Right. The salt, right. the light. That's those right. Kind of things. That's right. They should see an example. Absolutely. Right? I think that's so good. Now let's let's move a little bit to your, your ministry at Woodlake and um let's talk a little bit about the church there and, and the ministry there. And I wondered if you would maybe take a minute uh and uh you, you mentioned you played football and I, I always remember uh, the great Tom Landry had a had a core value or a, vi- a statement, mission statement, you know, it was faith, family, then football. And I wonder if you have something similar. There's a maybe core values that you operate under or a vision statement for the ministry that you have there at Woodlake that you'd like to share. I see that God can do so much in all of the places that I've been. And if, if I had a, a People, and I digress for just a moment, people always <laughs> joke with me that whenever they come in to say hello, it takes 30 minutes. <laughs> and so my core values are wrapped up in the very things that God teaches. Mm. Um, and things such as it's the gospel message we're to be getting out. Um, in the gospel message, we have some responsibility to live uh, according to what we're teaching and preaching. Sure. Um, 
And so my core values are wrapped up in the things that I know of Scripture. Mm-hmm. And, and although there are those who are able to succinctly say A, B, and C, sure. uh, to me it's, it's way more than that. And, and I don't do that to try and confuse anybody. No. I do that because there's so many uh, things that, that uh, are so cool about what God does. Right. And so my core values in that is the things of God have got to be the priority. My wife is my second love. She knows that. My children, um, once they got to 18, he kicked them out of the house, told them, <laughs> get a job, go to school, get in the military. Good. Um, but, uh, and some may think poorly of me about that, but I, I find those principles and those core things in God's Word. Right. And so I, I, I'd like to believe that some of the very things that are my core values is what I'm living rather than what I can expressed to you in words. Well, and I think people would see that if they came to your church. You know, you had something on your website that I thought was the tone of it I really loved, and you talked about kind of a description of the church and Christian life and relationships, and you said things like encouraging each other and supporting each other through rough spots and uh, not beating ourselves up over things. Do uh, Do you think that this is a perspective most people in the church have, and is this something that you s- strive to really live out at Woodlake? I've worked in a lot of churches that when something bad happened, they shot their wounded. Hmm. And that that's just a sad thing yeah. uh, to see happen. And so I'd like to think, um, and I believe this is, is lived out in the people that uh, are part of the church family at Woodlake, mm-hmm. that we do encourage one another and that we we try and build one another up. Very good. But we try and do it in a way that's biblical. Uh, right. There are a lot of folks out there that try and build people up, uh, and they're doing it with placebos and all mm-hmm. kind of things, and we try our best not to. Um, it's very good. Do those kind of things. Well, from what you've said all th- this whole time, you use the word and, and – uh, we, we really appreciate that here. That's that's our motto, so uh, we really appreciate that. Well, can you take just a minute and uh, tell us when the services are, someone who would like to visit Woodlake Baptist Church. Can you tell them how, uh, when they can come? Sunday mornings at 9.15, we have a Spanish service, all in Spanish. Uh, we have Sunday school starting at 9.45 in English. Uh, at 11 o'clock, we have our Sunday morning service. Uh, that uh, Sunday evenings, we have... Uh, um, uh, another worship service at 6 p.m. On Wednesday nights, we have activities for the kids, uh, a Hispanic Sunday school class. Uh, we have a Bible study, a prayer meeting, our youth meet. So there's just a plethora of things going on all around us. Well, Pastor, we want to thank you for coming into the studio today. And on behalf of AM630 KSLR, we uh, want to invite you to visit Woodlake Baptist Church for one of their services located at 6980 Woodlake Club Drive. Or you can call them at 210-661-5415 or visit them on the web at woodlakebaptist.com. Thank you for joining us for the Church of the Week feature with Pastor Jack Holsey. I am Micah Coop, and keep listening to AM630 KSLR, The Word in South Texas. Thank you for joining us today as we featured the AM630 KSLR Church of the Week. We hope that during this past half hour, you've got a chance to get to know the pastor and learn something about their church. We encourage you to get involved in your local community church. If you would like to nominate your pastor to be featured on an upcoming Church of the Week program, submit your nominations at kslr.com. 
Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.